1: I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to the Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Kenneth fearing study of a deadly obsession. Desperate witness. Keenan Wynn and Julie Adams in Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero.
2: Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by General Motors and Contact. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio.
1: George Stroud. Husband, father, executive editor of Crimeways magazine. A restless man, never quite satisfied with what he has. Earl Jonoff, arrogant, pedantic publishing mogul. Stroud's boss. Pauline Delos, ice blonde, cool, the boss's mistress. George Stroud, Earl Jonoff, Pauline Delos three sides to the eternal triangle that meet but for one moment. The formula is timeless. The connection is murder. And for George Stroud, like the taut mainspring of a clock overwound, life itself is about to explode on the hour. Our story, Desperate Witness, continues after this word.
3: A message from the Council for Financial Aid to Education and this station. College students now march to a different drummer. And sometimes it seems to no drummer at all. But what matters most is that colleges continue educating. Students and their parents pay tuitions to make this possible. But the money they pay just doesn't go far enough. Two-thirds of college costs must come from other sources, including contributions from friends of colleges. How can you be the friend of a college? You can believe that educating young people is the main thing, not whether they're singing football songs or folk songs. You can be willing to back up your belief with a gift, because colleges need money to march ahead. A lot of that money must come from people like you. Give to the college of your choice. Now.
4: I had intended going straight home, but after I saw Janet go into the apartment with Pauline, I felt the need to wander a while in limbo. Up to that point, I'd meticulously kept my wife and my family in one niche in my life, and Pauline sealed off from them in another. To go home irritated with the thought of Pauline and Janet being together was to somehow. Overlap the two. Spoil the waters, so to speak. So I went back to Gill's where I could have an anonymous drink and dull the churning within me that Janet had set off. The night was a couple of hours older when I drove into my garage on Marble Road and went into the paneled, comfortable suburban house with all its little scars of family living. The painting I bought, The Temptation of Judas, I simply laid down on the dining room table. It would have to be cleaned, repaired, and framed. I'd made a pot of coffee and I thought about my wife and daughter who'd be returning tomorrow, Sunday. So help me, that's all that was on my mind when I fell asleep. Not knowing that Pauline was dead. Murdered. If I'd known what was happening back in the city in Steve Hagen's apartment, I wouldn't have closed my eyes.
5: Coming!
6: men what is it what's wrong close the door will you please hurry what is it sit down i'll get you a drink steve i i just killed pauline you should have killed
5: her years ago
6: well i do i i go to prison steve
5: stop it who saw you come here huh here anyone see you
6: well i don't know i i don't think so i hit her over the head with something a decanter i think Maybe three, maybe ten times. Fingerprints? Oh, and I wiped them off and off the doorknob. And the doorman wasn't on duty when I went in or when I came out. I killed her. I didn't intend to. It's just, well, it's the pressure. I didn't get anywhere in Washington. John offended prizes. This is real trouble. What am I going to do, Steve? The FCC's after me. General Donoghue's trying to force me to merge and sell... Forget all
5: about that for now. You sure nobody saw you go into her apartment? <phone rings> Who's that? Who? Steve Hagen here.
2: Oh, Mr. Hagen, I hate to bother you at home. Uh, this is uh, Emery Mafferson. Well, what can I do for you, Emery? Well, I just heard a disquieting rumor that the magazine's going to fold.
5: Uh, Mr. Janet's right here. We've been in conference over the same stupid rumor. Hold a minute, I'll let you talk to him. Go on, Earl, talk. But who is it? Who is he? I... He works for us. Future ways. Tell him the rumor he heard is false. Everything's okay. His name's Mafferson. Emery.
6: <clears throat> hello, Emery. Oh, hello, Mr. Janet. Look, uh, a lot of false rumors floating around. All that right, talk. I don't want you to believe a thing.
2: Oh, great. I, I feel relieved, Mr. Janet.
6: Well, it's good to talk, to you, Emery time, and keep up the good work. What was that all
5: about? You just established your alibi. When the police investigate you, as they will when your relationship with Dulles comes out, we have the testimony of Mafferson that he talked to you in my apartment at... What time did you kill her? No, I don't know. 10.30? 10 minutes of 11. And they'll have your chauffeur's testimony. He dropped you here right from the airport at 10. And mine that we've been in conference ever since. And since no one
6: can identify you as having been in the building... There was someone. Someone did see me. Saw you go in? Yes, yes, a stranger. He was just leaving Paul in. They'd been away together. For the evening. Maybe for the weekend. That's why we quarreled. That's what started the whole thing. Did he recognize Well, I don't know. Did you recognize him? No, he was in the shadows. I couldn't tell much... She said
5: his name was George Chester. One man in the world saw you go into her building, and you don't know who he was. Whether he knew you or recognized you, well, I don't know. I don't. We gotta find him before the police. How can we do that? What do we employ two thousand people for? Well, if we find this man, then what? It all depends. When the story breaks, he may go straight to the police. In that case, our alibi stands, and our line is this: He says he saw you on the scene. What was he doing there? That makes him as hot as you are. We'll make him even
6: warmer. Of course. You mean only to scare him off.
5: If he doesn't scare, the case goes to trial. You've got an alibi. But if he doesn't go to the police the minute this breaks, then what? He's a constant threat to your safety, your position in life, your place in the world. Can you put up with an intolerable situation like that?
6: I don't like it. There's a really good one tragedy. I don't want another. Not if I... Not if I know what you mean. You know what I mean. No. No, I won't see a man killed in cold blood. I won't take any
5: part of it. Let me ask you, Earl. Earl, are you ready to retire to a penitentiary and write your memoirs? Or are you ready to take your full responsibilities along with the rewards? Now, we never went to murder before. But we will this time if we have to... (laughs) I killed her. I can't get that out of my mind. I killed Pauline. When you break, a lot of other people break too. Whenever an entity like Janeth Enterprises goes under, and that's what this could trigger, a lot of innocent people, their plans, homes, dreams, aspirations, the future of their children, all of that can go to pieces with it. Myself, for instance.
6: Well, I understand, Steve. All right, what has to be, has to be. Now, let's get to work. Finish your drink, and we'll start from the top again. I
5: want every step, every word, you got out of your car, you sent your chauffeur on, you went into the apartment with her.
4: I knew none of this when it was happening. I awoke in the morning and went to the train to pick up my wife and child. I hadn't even dreamed in the night, and my world was coming apart. It
3: was was summer. summer. In the evening, in the evening after the rain. We were driving, she and I. The road was winding as rivers wind. We were speeding like birds, like incredible birds. Feeling the wind, speeding into the wind. It was summer in the evening, in the evening after the rain. We were passing crowds. Passing clouds, faster than the moon. Driving, uncaring, she and I. Faster and faster. Our car was like a comet. We were speeding through our lives. There was no way
2: to stop. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? This message was brought to you by the General Motors Corporation. We'll return to our story... In a moment. Harriet Seco is 71 years old and reaping the benefits of what she sews.
7: I sew for Children's Hospital. Make baby clothes for the babies in the hospital. We make
3: nightgowns, we make little jackets, we make pants. I like to sew, so I love it. Alan Gordon is 82 years old. He's useful, needed, and appreciated. I'm
0: uh, outlining a, uh, a monthly news bulletin. I wanted to do some work for... People of my age or
2: older or younger. You have the opportunity to share the experience of a lifetime, yours, as a volunteer in a school, hospital, museum, wherever your talents and the needs of your community can best be served. Join RSVP, the Retired Senior Volunteer Program. RSVP is one part of action. Action is doing something. There
0: is something you can do. Get into
7: action.
4: Monday morning, and Georgette came back to the breakfast table from taking our daughter
2: to the bus.
7: George, have you seen the paper? There's a dreadful story about a woman we met, I think, at Janet's.
4: Sitting there in the sunny breakfast room, fresh-picked yellow roses on the table, I read it. Not understanding it, not believing it. I had to read the headline twice. But the picture was of Pauline. Her body had been discovered at about noon on Sunday. Her death had been fixed at around 10.30 the night before. Saturday. i just left her minutes before.
3: Isn't that the same woman?
4: Yes. Yes, it is.
3: She was beaten to death with a heavy decanter.
4: I'm I'm reading. I was grateful to have the paper to hide behind. My hands were shaking as I read the words. No arrests had been made, the paper said. Her immediate friends were being questioned, Earl Janet among them. But the publisher had not seen her for several days. He'd just returned that night from Washington and had gone straight from the airport to a business associate's where he spent the evening in discussion. The business associate was not named.
3: George? Something the matter?
4: What? Oh, no. No, no, darling, nothing.
7: Well, don't look so grim. I didn't tell you I like that new painting you brought home. The one of the two hands. But it's in terrible condition. Another Patterson, isn't it?
4: Hmm. And perhaps.
7: George, you don't have to be so monosyllabic. Can't you say anything but yes, no, perhaps? Where'd you get it?
4: Just uh, picked it up. Honey, I'm trying to read the paper. Pauline and Earl Janeth went into that building at 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Now he claimed he hadn't seen her for days. He had to have been the one who killed her. Had he recognized me, if he had seen me that night, it would all come out. The weeks with Pauline, the lying, the whole sordid story. My life, my career, my marriage, family. All threatened. He killed her. He had to have been the one. How strong was his alibi? Could he make it stick? And if he did, where did that put me? On the train going into town, I read every newspaper, virtually memorizing what was known of the murder, but gathering no real information. It was warm in the city. Unseasonally warm. But I was... It was cold. My hands, I noted, were white. My fingertips, bloodless. In the mirrored elevator, I found myself staring at the strange face that was my own. Not a face, really, but a, a caricature. Lines like deep cuts that hadn't been there yesterday. Pallor. Mouth slightly open, breathing shallow. All unmistakable signs of fear of a man in a desperate, desperate panic. I had 26 floors to gain control. When I stepped out of the elevator, I was wearing the mask, the facade of the confident, secure executive. Morning, Lucille. Any calls for me?
7: Steve Hagen's call twice. Better get right up there. Well,
4: why? What's up?
7: I don't know, but you know Hagan.
4: Nobody knew Hagen. He was a hard little man whose soul had been hit by lightning. His mother was a bank vault, his father a computer. Steve Hagen was almost as loyal to Janet as to himself. From what I knew of their backgrounds, Hagen was the kingmaker. Janet, the publication's genius. But Hagen was the steel foundation that held things together. Everything about Hagen's office was designed to throw you on the left foot. I hadn't been privileged to enter his sanctorum often, but every time the same thing happened... That loss of confidence. You opened the door and you saw him across an acre of office. A small man sitting at a huge raised desk. He didn't look up, which was part of his style. I started across to him, trying to remember exactly where the drop was. You couldn't see it from the door. The carpet was patterned and disguised it, but there was a, a step down. And always it came as a jolt. You started across in confidence and suddenly, abruptly, found yourself walking out into space and grabbing at the air. And you spent the rest of the distance trying to regain your equilibrium and your poise. You lost on both counts.
5: Morning, Stroud. Oh, good morning. Morning, Steve. Strout, anything on your agenda at the moment you're to drop? Oh? Everything? Your staff can handle things. I have something more important for you.
4: Hmm,
5: if you say so. Oh, by the way, I've, uh, just
4: read about that, uh, Pauline Delos murder. It's pretty awful.
5: You any idea? Yes, it's bad. No, we have no idea about it.
4: Hmm.
5: Well, I suppose Janeth is, uh, who else? He is, yes. But I don't know any more about it than you do. Now, I have some prepared notes here, so let's get to work, huh? We have a job on our hands. Not hard, but delicate. It seems you're about the best man on the staff to direct it.
4: Mm. Yes?
5: In essence, the job is this. We want you to locate somebody unknown to us. Really, it's a missing persons job. Would that be all right with
4: you? Well, missing persons seems to fit in with the essence of crime ways, and that's my job, crime ways. Of course, of course. Uh, Who is it uh, that you want me to locate?
5: We don't know. Oh. Let me see now. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? The person we want... I went into some Third Avenue bar and grill called Gills last Saturday afternoon. It's a weird kind of bar, more a museum.
4: He wasn't looking at me. He was studying his notes. Or he'd have seen the sweat that popped out on my face. I could feel the trap being sprung for me. <laughs>
2: Bridge. Give your heart to your love, but give your cold
0: to contact. Don't just stand around and sniffle. Do something about that cold, early. To get the relief you want, up to 12 hours of continuous relief from just your sneezing, runny nose, and congestion, you'll need six cold tablets, two every four hours, or three ounces of nighttime liquid, one every four hours, or only one contact. Figure it out. Six or three or one. Take contact. Get all day, then all night relief. Give your cold to Six or three or one. When you catch a cold, take contact. Only as directed. Contact number one in
2: the world. The Zero Hour continues after this.
7: Read any good books lately? Well, ladies, if you're trying to find the official government studies on the cost of pollution versus the cost of cleaning up the environment, you'll have to do some looking. You and I know what pollution is doing to us. Disintegrating hose, damaging our health, making the wash gray, the coffee blah. So what's the cost of making it go away? Some people have said it's too high. Oh, come on now. I say we can actually save money by cleaning up pollution. And I must be on the right track because the National Wildlife Federation says it too in their new report on pollution. As a matter of fact, they come right out and say that every family can save $200 a year by pushing for a reasonable, just a reasonable national pollution cleanup now. This has been another feature report on the cost of pollution. For more information on what pollution's costing you, write Department 9B, National Wildlife Federation, Washington, D.C., 20036.
4: I fought a rising nausea. My cheek muscles formed a slight smile that froze into place and gave me, I hoped, a look of complete concentration. But my mind was racing at light years speed as he reeled off my actions on the day of the murder.
5: This man we're looking for, Stroud, was accompanied by a rather striking blonde, also unidentified. They later went to a Third Avenue antique shop. In fact, they browsed through several. But in one, they, that is, he bought a painting from a dealer overbidding another customer, a woman who also wanted to buy it. The picture was by an artist named Patterson. According to our Moore...
4: He, or somebody, had done a quick and thorough research job on Patterson. He had all the details how 10, 12 years back she'd been hailed as a meteor in the art world, that she'd never fulfilled her promise. In recent years was totally unheard of, although her work maintained value. He had all the details of my transaction. He knew the painting depicted two hands was in rather bad condition And that I bought it for $50.
5: After they bought the painting, the man and the woman with him went to a cocktail lounge in Van Barth for a few drinks. It's possible he checked the picture there. He may have had it right with him. Why do you want
4: this man, Steve?
5: We think our party is a vital figure in a business and political conspiracy that's reached colossal proportions.
4: You mean threatening
5: Janet Enterprises? Exactly. What this man represents could destroy Earl Janet. And we can't let that happen, can we? So, what do we do? Well, we just have to find this man. We can't have him loose, threatening all our existences, can we? Oh, as we understand it, his name is George Chester. I understood it all now. Pauline had given
4: Janet the full rundown of our Saturday night activities... And had she told him where we spent the night Friday, they'd probably had a violent fight about it, and he'd killed her and gone straight to Hagen. Then Steve Hagen was the business associate the newspapers mentioned who provided Janet's alibi. It was plain Janet knew he'd been seen and was afraid he'd been recognized. <laughs> the ground I was on felt landmined. One step the wrong way...
5: It's all pretty vague, Hagen. Can't you give me more to go on? You're right, Stroud. It is vague. Our information is based entirely on rumors and tips and certain, well, striking coincidences. When we locate our man, then we'll have something definite for the first time. What's it to be? A story for Crimeways? No. No, I don't think so. I don't know right now just what our angle will be when we have it. We might want to give it a big play in one of our books eventually. A good story should never be wasted, right? Well, we might decide to use it in some entirely different way. It's all up in the air. Tell me, who else is in on this? Uh, Should we cooperate with anyone? The cops, for instance? No. No, of course not. Absolutely not. This is our story, exclusively. It must stay that way. You'll have to go to other agencies for information, naturally. But you get it. You don't give it. Is that perfectly clear? Yes, I understand. Now, do you think you can knock together a staff, as large as you want, and locate this person? It would be
4: easier if I knew more about this uh, mystery guy, what he looks like.
5: Somebody must have described him. Well, not too well, but we do know he's of average build and height. Weight 150 to 180, under six feet. It's possible he's in advertising. But your best bet is this place called Gill's Or the shop where he bought the picture Or the bar of the Van Barth Oh, and that picture he bought Perhaps the artist I have a feeling that picture alone might give us a break Not impossible We want this guy in a hurry Can you do it? You say his name's Chester, George Chester It might be, he might not Oh, that's a start Then you go to work immediately? All right, Steve I'll take the assignment I have absolute carte blanche? Absolute. Expanse, personnel, everything. In every way except time. We want him now. He got up from the high
4: back throne and wandered to the huge plate glass windows that looked out over about 10 million people. I hadn't suspected this cold, dried man would have had such a sense of drama. He took a long pause and he swept his hand out, indicating the city far beneath us.
5: Our man is out there somewhere, Stroud. It may even be very close, for all you know. It's a simple job for a mind like yours. Get him.
4: I looked out the window myself. Get him, he said. Find him. I had found him. The man I sought was looking back at me. My own reflection in the plate glass. I've been assigned to set myself up to be murdered.
2: You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. Your
0: American Cancer Society presents Peter Falk and Lee Grant as patient and nurse. Hi, nurse. I'm Fenton Finglinger. I have an appointment for a checkup with Dr. Worley. Uh, You're Nurse Skank? Yes. Remember me when I was here after getting hit in the mouth with a hockey puck?
3: Oh, sure. Six stitches, I recall.
0: Right. It wasn't too clever of me to play hockey at my age anyway.
3: Oh, you don't look very
0: old. Oh, thanks a lot. I feel young and everything, but Uh, I figured this... I bring my car in for regular checkups, so I should do the same for myself.
7: Oh, true, true. A regular checkup led you know if
3: you're really as well as you feel
0: like i had this car and i kept noticing oil underneath but i ignored it i ended up burning out the transmission it was only a loose oil drain plug
7: it's the same with people the annual checkup lets the doctor detect minor elements before they become major i dangerous. was just going
0: to make that point uh, uh, has anybody ever told you you look terrific oh
7: well my husband does a lot
0: oh terrific help your doctor help you with an annual checkup help your american cancer society with a generous check we want to wipe out cancer in your lifetime. Hosiah had a delicate ear operation. Maria gave birth to a premature infant. Raphael had a tooth pulled. And Angelica underwent cataract surgery. Each one came to the SS Hope, the famous white hospital ship for care and treatment. Each left healthier, happier. But Hope does more than treat patients. At the side of Project Hope's professional medical personnel, there was a counterpart physician, nurse, dentist, or medical assistant from the patient's country who was working and learning. These medical trainees and professionals will continue to treat other Hosias and Marias in their own country as Project Hope's living legacy. Help Hope Live on. Write Project Hope, Room A, Washington, D.C.
1: Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense.
2: Desperate witness. I'm Rod Serling. Today's episode brought to you in part by General Motors in Contact. This is a Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. And once again, rest your eyes and listen here to The Zero Hour. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.